everyone. Thanks for checking out this podcast. I hope today's conversation inspires you and builds your faith for the moment you are in right now. Know that God's love for you truly changes everything. Enjoy the message. Uh, before we get into the teaching today, I, I just want to give thanks uh, to, uh, to all of you. And you know, we, uh, we were in communication last evening with the province, with the government health officials. And, and I just want to stop and thank them for all the hard work they're doing. And look, when they're in an impossible situation with impossible decisions to make on a daily basis, and sure, there are things that I would have different, done differently. There are things you would have done differently uh, all along this journey over the last year. Uh, but man, they need our prayers and our, our gratitude for the hard work they're doing. And I just wonder if we could start out and pray uh, for them. Lord, we thank you so much uh, that you have put us in this beautiful part of the world. And uh, Lord, we pray for the government of New Brunswick as they seek uh, wisdom uh, in all the challenging decisions that they have to make. Lord, we pray for every family that's been affected by this uh, terrible situation over the last year. And uh, Lord, we just, we continue to want to bring you honor and glory in whatever we, way we can. And we know that we are called by scripture uh, to pray for our leaders and those in authority. And so we do that now and we lift them up to you in the name of Jesus. And everybody say amen. amen. Hey, uh, bonjour tout le monde. Uh, voici la question. Here's the question that we ask. Uh, uh, maybe you brought it with you. Maybe you have your phone where you can look, which by the way, reminds me, I need to put my phone in airplane mode so that nobody texts me or calls me during the service and interrupts me. Maybe you want to put yours on silence too. Uh, wherever, however you brought your Bible, let me ask, here's the question. Are you ready to study God's word today? Okay, uh, let's go ahead and get that in hand. We're gonna read a pretty long passage of scripture here in just a few minutes in the book of Matthew, Matthew 25. But before we get there, let me just remind you, we are in this brand new series that we started last Sunday. Why am I so afraid? Now, if you were not here last week with us in person or online, I really want to encourage you to, uh, to, to find that on our website or on Facebook or YouTube where you can watch the message or you can download it as a podcast if that's, you know, want to listen to it driving in your car or while you're exercising or cleaning the house or whatever it is that you want to do this week, you can, uh, can listen as well. Because last week we laid the foundation for this entire series, the foundation for what it means as a Christian to live a fearless life. And then over the next few weeks, over the next month, we're going to be talking about a number of different specific fears that we all struggle with at times. And today, to get started, we're going to talk about, bum, 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 the fear of failure. The fear of failure. Here's a quote from the book Freakonomics. It says, we all learn to respond to incentives, negative and positive, from the outset of life. If you toddle over to the hot stove and touch it, you burn a finger. But as a child, if you bring home straight A's from school, 
you get a new bike. If you're spotted picking your nose in class, you get ridiculed. But if you make the basketball team, you move up the social ladder. If you break curfew, you get grounded. But if you ace your tests, you get to go to a good college. If you flunk out of law school, you have to go work at your father's insurance company. But if you perform so well that a rival company comes calling, you become vice president and no longer have to work for your father. If you become so excited about your new vice president job that you drive home at 130 kilometers an hour, you get pulled over by the police and fined $200. But if you hit your sales projections and collect a year-end bonus, you're not only not worried about the $200 ticket, but can also afford to buy the fancy new kitchen stove that you've always wanted on which your toddler can now burn their own finger and the cycle continues and continues and continues, right? That we, what we learn in life, what we're taught by society is that, that success gets people's attention and failure turns people against you. Uh, one of my favorite basketball players is Irving Magic Johnson. And uh, what, what some of you don't know is our family, we, our children were born in Michigan. We're not from Michigan, but we lived there for 12 years in Lansing. And, and so our family was there for, for 12 years, and that is where... Magic Johnson grew up. He went to Everett High School uh, right down the road, played for the Vikings. Uh, the main thing that I get over, the, over his career is the hair gets shorter and shorter. Eventually, he starts looking like me. If you get to the next picture, he shaves his head now. Uh, so all I can say is, uh, is it's a good look. Let's go back to the other picture, though. Uh, that uh, that he, he played for Everett High School in our town there in Lansing, for the Vikings, took them to the state championship. They won the state championship. He then stayed in town to play for the local university, the Michigan State University Spartans, where he took them to win the national championship. And then his winning pattern continued as he was drafted as the number one draft pick for the Los Angeles Lakers. And he took them to win five NBA championships and was the league MVP. Impressive career. But then he retired. And after retirement, he decided to take kind of a whole new uh, uh, path in his career, something kind of risky and exciting that he had never done before. He decided to try being a coach. And so the LA Lakers hired him as the head coach of possibly the most high-profile professional basketball team in the entire world. Well, the reason many people don't know or remember this part of his career, which I think, if I remember correctly, it was around 1994 or 1995, the reason people don't remember this part of his career is because it was so short. You see, he lasted as head coach for less than a season, for less than a season. And why did he quit? Because of the pressure of losing. He couldn't stand the stress. The stress was killing him. And here's the irony. You would think that, that, that success would cause a person to fear failure less, right? That the more successful you are, the less you would fear it. And yet the opposite is actually true. Many times success actually intensifies our fear of failing. Because the more you have, the more 
you have to lose and the more you're afraid of losing. And so look at this story that Jesus tells in Matthew 25, verse 14 through 29. He, he gives us this parable. Jesus says in Matthew 25, 14, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag, each according to his ability. So, so he recognized that there's one person who was probably not quite as motivated as the rest. And that one he gives only one. So then it continues in, in verse 16. Then he went on a journey. And the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. He worked with it. He invested it. He he, he, he worked hard to make it grow. And so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with Two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, so I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was what? I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And what was he afraid of? He was afraid of failure, right? He was afraid a failing, and so he sat around and did nothing for his, his master. And Jesus says that this is a danger in our lives when we sit around and our fear causes us to do nothing for God's kingdom. Jesus said, here's what happens, verse 26. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags, who earned, who worked for it. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. But whoever does not have or whoever does not invest and work and, and, and do, even what they have will be taken from them. So Jesus says here that, that the devil wants to paralyze us with fear. That the enemy, our spiritual enemy, wants for us to be afraid of serving. 
afraid of being faithful to the cause of Jesus, afraid of giving, afraid of stepping out in faith. That, 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 that Jesus says when we end up in heaven, though, we have to be aware that we will stand before our Father in heaven and he will say, what did you do for my kingdom? What did you do with what I gave you to advance the mission of Jesus in the world? Now, I wrestled this morning as I was thinking about this teaching, and I, I was not really planning on sharing this at all, uh, but I, I just, I couldn't get it out of my mind last night, and then it came to my mind again a couple of times this morning, and I wonder if it's just because maybe God wants me to share this. And, uh, and I want to admit to you that of all the fears that we're going to talk about in this series, this is probably the one over my 47 years of life that I have probably struggled with more than anything else. Uh, I, I came from a family that gave me some opportunities. We didn't have money. We were a, a fairly poor family. My father uh, was a, a pastor, and, uh, and I, I wandered away from God uh, for a season in my life. But when I came back to God, not very long after that, he made it really, really clear that he wanted me to do something with my life that I did not want to do. That he wanted me to give my life to full-time ministry. And I knew what that was like. I had seen how hard my father's job, how hard it is to please people and meet their expectations and, and deal with the pressures of the world and, and the pressures of, of uh, leadership. And it's not just true in church leadership. Any type of leadership is hard, Right? And my dream had been to be a lawyer. I wanted to study, uh, study words and be able to, uh, to, to use them, to, to study words and laws and be able to help people. And, uh, and I never thought that God would turn that around, that I would study words, <laughs> his law, uh, to, to be able to interpret and, and help people with it. Uh, but this was not my dream for my life. This was, this was the last thing that I wanted was to pursue the call of God to serve in full-time ministry. And yet God made it clear to me that if I did anything other than obey to him, that I would never be satisfied. And that it wouldn't be easy, but he would be faithful. And so now since I, I, I started as a pastor at 21 years old, and so how many years? That's now 26 years that I have been a pastor and he has asked us to go places that we never wanted to go, to do things that we never wanted to do. Uh, we thought when we lived in Alabama that God would you know, maybe one day call us to serve at the beach. We loved going down to the Gulf of Mexico for vacation, sit in the sugar white sands, look at the turquoise blue waters where the water was as warm as a bathtub and and it was, it was just gorgeous. Lord, would you ever call us to serve at the beach? We'd be willing to go there. Maybe Hawaii. Hawaii would be good. We never knew God would take us to Parley Beach, New Brunswick. That was, that was not what we had in mind. <laughs> uh, we, we got to the beach, just not exactly the, the part of the world we thought it would be in. But it's good to be back in New Brunswick. I was born here in New Brunswick, here in Sussex, a little cow town down the road from Moncton. Uh, beautiful, probably one of the most beautiful places in our province, the Sussex area. Uh, but 
I, I just felt like maybe God last night and this morning just wouldn't let me go from, none of this was in my notes. None of this is what I was planning on talking about. But just, just share a little of my testimony of this before we get into what the fear of failure really is. Um, because what Tracy and I have found over the years is that when we step out in faith and do crazy, risky stuff for God, even things that we don't want to do, but he tells us we need to do, that he is faithful. And he blesses in ways that we would have never seen coming. Because as we sang this morning, we serve a good God. Amen? Amen. And so, what do we do with this fear of failure? Well, last week... Uh, we, we talked about one of the great truths in Scripture. Let's read it out loud together again. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Are you with me? Let's read it all out loud together. 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so we talked about last week how fear, this verse seems to be saying, cannot operate in the same space with love. That fear tends to push love out of our life. Have you ever noticed that in people's lives? That fear pushes other people away. Fear pushes love away from our lives. But that when perfect love comes in the front door, that fear has to run out the back door in our lives. And it's not just any kind of love, right? It's not just the love of a good woman or the love of a good man or the love of a parent or, or the love of a good friend. That it has to be what kind of love? It has to be what? Perfect love. Why? Because who is the only one who provides perfect love in this world? Who is the only one who is faultless? It is God's perfect love. God's love is the only kind that is perfect and powerful enough to drive out fear in our lives. And so here are a couple of things to notice in the Bible. Number one, everybody fails. And what Satan tries to do is condemn you and convince you that you're the only one, that nobody else has gone through what, what you're going through. But I just want to show you something. Even though, obviously, you know, in these days, we don't have a huge crowd here uh, in the building. Most people are, are with us online. But listen, listen, even online, you can help us out and testify with this. I want to show you something just so you know you're not alone. Look, if, if you have ever failed stumbled, fallen flat on your face, made an embarrassing mistake. Come on, let me see all around. Raise your hand. Let's testify. Some of you got two hands and a foot in the air. Yes, yes. In the, on, online, give us, give us a testimony. Say, I failed too. Look around. You saw around this room. You see online that you are not the only one. Welcome to the human race. Romans, uh, James chapter three, verse two says, we all stumble in many ways. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. One pastor was teaching on this verse on how we have all fallen short. And he said, thank God he forgives our falling shorts. <laughs> uh, it's true, God forgives our falling shorts or, or our short fallings. Now, it doesn't look like it. If you look at, at Instagram and Facebook and social media, listen, everybody's life looks perfect, doesn't it? 
that curated picture of what people want us to see. But we know that is not reality, is it? In fact, the average NBA player, like Magic Johnson, makes less than 50% of their shots. If you miss, if you miss 50% of your shots, you're one of the greatest basketball players in the world. Did you know that in professional basket or baseball, the, the best batting average in history is Ty Cobb. And he batted less than 400. That means he struck out more than 60% of the time. If you strike out 60% of the time, you're one of the best batters in the history of the world. And, and so, listen, here, here is the good news. Here's the good news. Failure is inevitable, but it doesn't have to be final. Proverbs chapter 24, 4, verse 16 says, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Listen, let me tell you, the problem is not just that you fall. The thing is, the important thing is that you get back up again. And I'm glad that we serve a Jesus who specializes in resurrection. He wants to help you get back up again. Come on. And can I tell you something really embarrassing? When I was just a little guy, on my first day of school, I peed my pants. On the second day of school, I threw up all over the place. I, some of you know, if you've ever heard this, this part of my story, that I, uh, over, the, over the seasons of my life, I've wrestled with anxiety. And, uh, and I used to actually throw up before I would walk up on the platform. So yeah, God, call me to a job of public speaking. That's exactly what I want to do with my life, right? And, uh, and so first day, peed my pants. Second day, threw up all over the floor. My teacher did not want me to come back for day three, let me tell you. But my parents kept making me go back to school again and again and again. And imagine if on that first day, though, I had come home and said, Mom and Dad, I'm a failure at education. You know what? I've made a decision, parents. I'm seven years old and I'm quitting school to work at Walmart. Listen, did you know that George Washington lost more than half of his battles? And yet... He won the Revolutionary War and became president, the first president of the United States. Did you know that Napoleon graduated 42nd in a class of 52? And yet after graduating near the bottom of his class, he went out and conquered Europe. R.P. Macy failed in real retail seven times before he finally started Macy's department store in New York City. You know the Macy's Day, Thanksgiving Day, parade. Why is failure not permanent? Because every time you fall down, you have a choice to get back up again and learn from it. And so here's the trick. Number three, troubled times are the best time for learning and growth. Troubled times are the best time for learning and growth. Proverbs 28, 13 says, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. Now notice here that the, the words mistakes and success show up in the same verse. What does that tell us? Many times you learn what not to do 
uh, or what to do by first learning what not to do, right? Many times that failure is one of the greatest means of learning our lessons in life. Romans 5 verse 3 and 4 says, we also rejoice in our sufferings. Now that's a crazy thing to say right there. Why would a person rejoice in suffering? Well, because scripture says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. You see, failure has a way of softening our hearts. Failure helps us to be less hard on other people. It helps us to grow up and be mature, hopefully, and, 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 and more, uh, more gracious to others in their faults. Can you imagine what an insufferable person you would be and nobody could stand you if all you had ever done is succeed at every single thing you did in your entire life. Nobody would want to be around you. We'd hardly be able to stand you. And yet, because you know what it's like to fall down, you also know not to be so hard on others when they fall. In Psalm 103, verse 13, it says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. In other words, God knows how frail we are. He remembers that we are just humans made of dust. And so from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his, his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. And so here's the good news. The greatest value of failure is when it causes us to turn to God. The greatest value of failure is not just how, that somehow failure and weakness and, and, and shortcomings in and of themselves are a wonderful thing. You know what? I need to just go out and fail more. That's what Pastor Joel says. No. The value of failure is when it causes us to turn to God. A lot of us grew up in homes that were performance-based, the success is everything, getting the A's, making the grade, making the cut, being the best, scoring the winning goal. That's how you get love and attention. That success means I'm valuable. Failure means I'm worthless. But listen, even if your parents were like that, it doesn't mean that God is like that. See, the Bible is not like TikTok or Instagram or Facebook where everybody looks perfect all the time. One of the things that's shocking when people read the Bible is they discover that it is brutally honest about the failures and shortcomings of many of the great heroes of our faith. We see that Noah, God used Noah to, to save the world. And yet then after the flood, he goes out and gets drunk and gets naked and does something stupid. King David, David was a great leader of the Old Testament, a, a hero of the faith, a man after God's own heart. He led Israel from victory to victory to great success. But then, then he took advantage of a woman named Bathsheba in a horrible way 
And God convicted him of what he had done. So David got up in front of all of his people and he confessed his sin and tried to make it right. Moses was a great man who led the Israelites out of slavery and and through the Red Sea. And yet the Bible tells us that Moses made all kinds of mistakes in his life. You see, some of our failures are kind of innocent mistakes. And some of them are horrible sins. Let me tell you something. Many times, your greatest witness is not when people see how you handle success. Many times, your greatest witness is when people see how you handle failure. You see, it's what you do after you fail that matters. And I confessed to you in my life that this is, this is one of those things that I've that I've wrestled with, that drive to succeed and and the conscientious concern about what others think and, and that fear of failure can hold us back from doing what God wants us to do. But here's here's what I wanna tell you today. I, I I wanna give you some grace and tell you this. Let me tell you why I love this church. Because at Moncton Wesleyan, this is not a group of people who will beat you up when you fall down. Amen? But but I do want to close with this one verse. There's one failure that you need to fear in your life. There is one failure you need to fear in your life because this failure is final. Hebrews 12 verse 15 says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Don't miss out on the grace of God. This is the one failure that lasts for eternity. If you fail to surrender and and submit your life to to Jesus, to receive the forgiveness of, of Christ who died on the cross, to take the punishment for your sins, whatever you do, don't miss out on God's grace. For your life. So our Heavenly Father, as we get ready in just a few minutes to celebrate baptism with, with a few people who, have, who, have, who are here to publicly declare that they've given their lives to you. Lord, we just pray that you would bless them and, and encourage them and speak through them today. And Lord, for each and every one of us, no matter what we've gone through, no matter what we're experiencing right now in our life, for those who are here today who have followed Jesus for 40, 50, 60, 70 years, and others who are brand new in their faith, and others who have not yet even decided to follow after you, Lord, I pray that you would speak to every heart. Oh, Lord, as we confess our sins, as we confess our failures, as we seek your strength, Lord, we pray 
that you would be glorified in our lives. Because we know that you are the God of resurrection. You bring the dead to life. You bring the broken to healing. You bring the fallen to rise again. And for that, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about Moncton Wesleyan, we invite you to visit our website at mw.church. We are here to help you with any questions you might have. See you next time.